And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I will tell you, Joy, I experienced great joy when I watched this brilliant, phenomenal black woman, jurist, be so smart and just cut through the political gamesmanship that they were attempting to incite. And she just was composed. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. VeepThoughts.com is the place to go to get all your Veep Thoughts. To get all the whole collection is there on YouTube. Check them out. Share them as well. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is where you can go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. Carol Roth is going to join us in a little bit to break down the economy and the state of crypto. The Supreme Court has issued a few decisions, but no, not, not, not that one. Not, not yet. Because we start by doing Biden's gas tax holiday. And if that Supreme Court decision had come out, we'd probably start with that one. Just going to throw it out there. Uh, it's a big, big day in the economy. Why? Because Joe Biden is thinking about making a decision on an issue. And we got to say, you thought he was too old. And uh, you thought maybe his brain wasn't working all that well. But he's thinking about making a decision on a gas tax holiday. Yes, a gas tax holiday. Hmm. What is a gas tax holiday? Well, the Hill breaks it down for us. The current federal gas tax is about 18.4 cents per gallon, according to the uh, U.S. Energy Information Administration. The gas tax itself is imposed on those producing gasoline, which then impacts the prices we pay at the pump. Simply put, a federal gas tax holiday would temporarily suspend the 18.4 cent gas tax. It doesn't, however, mean you'll pay 18.4 cents less per gallon uh, at the pump. Which is uh, pretty exciting there. Now, of course, I favor a gas tax holiday. I just think it should never end. It should be no taxes on gas. There's no reason to put another 18.4 cents per gallon. Plus, you're also paying a decent tax on the state level. You could probably knock up to maybe a buck off of these prices if you are in a high tax state. And it doesn't mean it instantly goes to you, but it probably most of it probably will. Although there have been skeptics of gas tax holidays in the past, most of them hardcore conservatives who don't like Joe Biden, like Barack Obama, who said, we don't know that the oil companies will actually pass on the savings, Obama said at a speech in North Carolina in April 2008. So you're saving 5% in terms of the gas tax. It's not clear what uh, what would prevent the oil companies from just jacking up prices 5%. So you end up giving them more money. And we've drained the highway trust fund. Now, this is the problem with Washington. We're facing a situation where oil prices could hit $200 a barrel. Oil companies like Shell and BP just reported record profits for the quarter. And we're arguing over a gimmick to save you half a tank of gas over the course of the entire summer so that everyone in Washington can pat themselves on the back and say they did something. Now, I don't normally agree with Barack Obama, but when 
he he indicates that he realizes that Joe Biden is, quote, the problem with Washington. I can't help but be on his side on that one. You know, the gas tax holiday is basically a gimmick. It is uh, maybe a little helpful to people. It shows you what the state of affairs should normally be. We shouldn't have to be paying high taxes on gas. And it would be nice if it just completely went away forever. That's not going to happen. This is just a little move to potentially save you a little bit of money in the very short term. And it's not going to solve the problem. Of course, the problem needs to be solved on the supply side, of course. And that means we have another possible proposal coming from the Biden administration that absolutely will, of course, address the demand side yet again of this equation. They want to they're talking about stimulus gas cards, which is I mean, it sounds pretty great, right? You get a bunch of money on a gas card. You can spend it on gas, helps you cover that cost. Isn't that wonderful? Although it is kind of a strange thing coming from this particular administration, given the fact that they keep saying the gas companies are really, really greedy. But of course, the problem we have is inflation. And the way we're addressing this issue is, of course, to spend a bunch more money and then spend that on $100 billion of gas cards, which will then be paid to the companies you're saying are so greedy. Not exactly sure how any of this works. And you know what? I'm not alone here. I don't think Biden knows it either. That's kind of the problem, uh, as they say. Now, of course, some people are pointing out, you know, the spending thing has been kind of the issue here, right? You've been spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And now you want to spend trillions and trillions and trillions of more dollars. Seems to be the only solution to anything. CNBC had Cecilia Rouse on. She's the uh, chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. And they said, hey, you know, maybe spending money, does that seem a little tone deaf right about now? Is it possible, as Americans are feeling that pain, that 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 message is a little tone deaf and could have a really kind of negative impact in terms of consumer sentiment? So I'm not sure which part is the tone deaf. The president is looking to lower costs for important... Go ahead. But he's focused on reducing costs for some of the most important items for Americans, reducing prescription costs, reducing costs for child care, helping people get back to work because they are able to balance responsibilities Mm. at home and at work. So these are the kinds of investments we need to make. They spend out over time. Mm -hmm. We know that this president is focused on reducing the deficit. Uh, this deficit is on track to be reduced by $1.7 trillion this year. That's Terrible more than point. happened under uh, President, uh, President Trump. And yeah. so he understands the role the deficit plays also in, in, in reducing inflation. But we also have to make the kinds of investments to make sure that our economy continues to thrive as we get to the other side of this. Now, of course, I do. I want to go on another rant about how dumb of a point it is that they've reduced the deficit by one point seven trillion dollars. Sure, I do. I've done it on the show 10 times already, so I'm not going to do it again. But anyone who listens to the show or watches it probably is already hearing that monologue in their head already. So I will spare you this one time. And you might think you might watch that and you say, wow, that uh, that that Cecilia Rouse gives pretty crappy answers to pretty basic questions. Like that was a really terrible answer and a terrible defense of a bunch of bad policies. Granted, it's a difficult thing to do to come out and defend policies like Joe Biden's, but still that was a pretty bad job. And at that point, I would note, why are you being racist? She happens to be 
the first African-American to ever hold that position. Have you ever had a problem with a Democrat before this? No, you only don't like black Democrats. You only don't like a black economist. And that shows you're racist, you racist, racisty, racist. Remember that. By the way, here she is giving another crappy answer. Inflation has wiped out, obliterated really, all of the wage gains since the, the start of the pandemic. So Americans are actually feeling feeling poor as, as the price of goods goes up and their wages go down. It feels like now's the time to just really focus on fighting inflation. Yet, as recently as last week, the Build Back Better bill was still on the table. Uh, is now the time for the administration to be pushing spending billions more or focusing on inflation? So the president is focused on inflation. Is and he? in fact, Build Back Better is a long is is a uh, a uh, long-run investment oh. so to increase economic capacity so that mm-hmm. we're better able to address inflation. Oh, Parts of Build Back right. Better include addressing costs such as prescription drugs. Mm. It, inc- it includes making investments to make the transition to clean energy, which we know we need to be making as well. So that's not the kind of dollars that is stimulus. Oh. It's investment, and it's the kinds of investments that we know actually okay. pay for themselves over time. So that's smart economic policy oh. right now. Uh, <laughs> the president is doing trying to take the kinds of actions that would address gas prices in the more immediate term while also making the kinds of investments we need we know we need to know to make right. in order to make the transition to steady sustainable growth that will benefit all Americans don't worry about trying to improve you're doing a great job and you nailed that one that was that was fantastic remember guys those aren't the kind of dollars that cause inflation other kinds of dollars cause inflation there are dollars when you spend them that cause inflation and other dollars when you spend them that don't cause inflation, right? You know, you can just spend, why not? Why don't we spend all those dollars right now then? I mean, what's the point? Why hold any of them back? We know you want $6 trillion for this crap. Why not 12? Why not $50 trillion? Only of those kind of dollars that don't cause inflation though, use those dollars. When you get the big pile of them, make sure you pick the one from the left pile, which is the pile that doesn't cause inflation, not from the other pile, because those might just cause inflation. I guess the problem over the past couple of years is we've been spending all of them out of the wrong pile. We keep spending the dollars that cause the inflation instead of the dollars that don't cause the inflation. Use the different kind of dollars. Easy peasy. By the way, did I mention she's the first African-American to ever hold that job? And if you thought that was a terrible, crappy answer that she was fumbling through, almost like a combination of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I don't know. Could she herself come up with a Veep thoughts? Probably so. But that being said, she's the first African-American to ever do that job. And if you are critical of her in any way, you're in the KKK. All right. You're an alt-right KKK member. Get your little uh, torch, your tiki torch out and walk in Charlottesville because that's who you are. I hope you understand it. Now, Joe Biden You might think we haven't heard much from Joe Biden today. What is the interesting thing he has to say about all of this? There's a lot of people talking about a potential uh, recession. And anytime a president has to oversee a a recession, we see, you know, really bad results. I mean, if you remember, George H.W. Bush had an 80 percent approval rating a year before his uh, reelection attempt and he lost 
partially because of Ross Perot, but also because he went into a very, very minor inflation, or excuse me, recession, and uh, that turned his election prospects around. So let's ask Joe what he thinks about the upcoming re- recession. I, 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 I not the majority of them aren't saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. Um, that, was a joke. that was a joke. But all kidding aside, no, I don't think it is. I was uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning, and uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. <laughs> I don't want to put too fine a point on this, okay? But someone asked him, hey, looks like there might be a recession. And he says, that's absolutely wrong. Not, not the majority of people are saying that. Uh, you sound like a Republican politician when you say like that, just making stuff up. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So he's gone through like 12 different layers of bizarre comments here. But then he has to come up with one name, one person. Just name one person who says there isn't going to be a recession. That's all he has to do. He's saying that he doesn't have to come up with all the people who are saying that. He just has to come up with one person who is an economist and is saying, ah, it's not going to be a recession to to bolster his point that not everybody is saying that. And the name he comes up with is Larry Summers. Let me give you Larry Summers' commentary on recessions from 48 hours earlier. My best guess is that a recession is ahead. (laughs) I base that on the fact that we haven't had a situation like the present with inflation above four and unemployment below four without a recession following within a year or two. And so I think the likelihood is that in order to do what's necessary to stop inflation, the Fed is going to raise interest rates enough that the economy will slip into recession. And I think that that view, which was not a common view a couple months ago, is now the view of a number of statistical models and the view of a range of uh, forecasters. Literally, he could have said anyone, anyone. He could have said Bob Fnarkinson and people wouldn't have checked it because it's the media. No one would have known. The only guy he can't say in that spot is Larry Summers. Why? Because, first of all, he's he you mentioned you talked to him in the morning when two days earlier he was saying on national television. Yeah, there's going to be a recession. Uh, It's coming. And he not only cites him, but then Larry Summers says it's the overwhelming majority of opinion of economists. So not only is he cite, does he cite the one guy he can't cite, but then that guy was on television completely refuting his point from just two days earlier. It is a master class in failure, this guy. I swear it. I, again, I've said this before, and I will say it a hundred more times over the next couple of years. I didn't have high hopes for a Biden presidency. I thought he would be a bad president. I thought he'd be incompetent. I thought he was not able to speak. Yet every single day he proves me wrong. He's much, much worse than I could have ever imagined. It's incredible. By the way, uh, we, we talked about the, the inflation. 
how does that inflation happen? Trillions and trillions of dollars being spent, first during the Trump administration with widespread approval by both sides of the aisle, and then into the Biden administration where he dumped another $2 trillion on top of it, which caused inflation. One way we know it caused inflation is that Larry Summers also said that. He was the guy warning everybody that there's going to be a bunch of inflation if you spend another $2 trillion. And we should note that after that $2 trillion was spent, then there was a bipartisan trillion dollars that was also spent on infrastructure. If you think we're forgetting about that, Republicans, we're not. In fact, most of this spending was done by the approval of various Republicans. So it's not just the Democrats for this. However, Joe Biden and his policies have made this much, 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 much worse. And they're responsible for the vast majority of this problem. And that is important. So now we've given all of this money to people. And now then we've inflated the economy so that that money is worth less and less. One economist decided to uh, look at this, and he, he tweeted this. I thought this was pretty interesting. A family of four received $10,400 in economic impact payments. Does include a UI, student loan pause, etc. JEC Republicans estimate typical family has paid four dollars to $6,000 more due to inflation. This is all inflation, not just incremental. So it will be another 10 to 12 months. 10 to 12 months for what? 10 to 12 months until we wipe out all of the free money that we gave to people. All of the free money that we gave to people gone because of inflation within two years of signing that last bill. Do you know how much? What could you do with a couple trillion dollars? Do you think you can maybe not blow it up in a couple of years? Well, you're different than the president then. And I don't know, maybe you can even balance yourself on a bicycle. Like there's all sorts of differences between you and him. And I don't know. I feel like I'd rather have you. I don't know who you are, to be clear. I don't know who you are. Okay, you might be watching the show and you say, I know who I am and I know who you are, but I'm here. I can't see you. I'm just sitting here talking to a camera in a room almost by myself. I'm just blabbing and ranting. And I don't know if anybody's out there watching, but whoever you are, I'd rather have you as president. I don't you have no qualifications. What if you say, I don't even know anything about these issues. I'm watching your show so I can learn from you because you seem like you can get through a full sentence without stumbling or falling over. And you know what? Anybody who can get through a full sentence without stumbling or falling over would be a better president than this guy. He is a complete catastrophe in every single aspect. The things that he brags about are failures. He tries to cite one economist who agrees with him, and he picks the guy who not only warned about the inflation in advance, but then also just said, we're going into a recession. He is a walking and often falling over catastrophe. If you happen to be a carnivore, my guess is you like knowing where your meat comes from. You know, you don't want it necessarily shipped in from some factory in some far away land. You'd rather have Moink. Moink is the place where they hook you up with small 
family farms all across the country. And when I mean the country, I mean like this one, the one you're probably in right now, the United States. That means that you get to help save family farms and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink, uh, of course, the, they have farmers uh, who farm sort of like the old days, you know, like our grandparents did back in the day. And as a result, their meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. Uh, if you want to eat meat, if you do it often, if you want to hook your family up, I mean, I'm the grill master. I'm always out there cooking for the family. They love Moink the best because the Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you are helping family farms stay independent. Keep American farming going right now by signing up at moinkbox.com stew. Right now, listeners get the, to the show, get free filet mignon for in every order for a year. So, I mean, it's pretty awesome, right? F free filet for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, uh, but it's for a limited time, spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com, moinkbox.com slash stew, moinkbox.com slash stew. Happy to welcome Carol Roth to the program. She's a former investment banker and the author of The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. You can pick it up wherever you get your books. She also has a new piece out for the blaze. What the heck is going on with Bitcoin? <laughs> I'll tweet out a link to that shortly. Make sure to check it out as well. Carol, how's it going? It is going well. What the heck is going on with Bitcoin? That's why you're here to answer that question. What the heck is going on with Bitcoin? So, you know, being a speculative asset is enduring the fate that a lot of other assets are now enduring now that the Fed has re reversed course on its policy. We, of course, last year had a ton of government stimulus. We had the Federal Reserve adding trillions of dollars to its balance sheet and suppressing interest rates. They have now reversed course. They are shedding those assets. They are increasing interest rates, and they are trying to cool down the economy and deflate that asset bubble. Um, you know, deflating the asset bubble is one of those things that goes along with it. So as we're seeing the broader markets, you know, stocks and the like go down, there is some sort of a contagion effect that is going on um, with cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin. Another thing that happens, you know, as you get this um, fear going on, you start seeing this downward spiral is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. People get a little bit greedy in good times. And when they see things, they say, well, how do I get in? Sometimes they will pledge their assets, including a your stock as collateral to take out loans to buy more Bitcoin. And when that all starts coming down, will say, well, your loan doesn't seem to be well secured. We need more. And people tend to share, shed their riskier positions at that point in time. So that puts a downward pressure on just about everything. And Bitcoin is definitely uh, falling victim to that. And certainly like everything that goes on in crypto is exaggerated, right? Like the ups are exaggerated. The downs are exaggerated. And, you know, I love I'm a crypto guy. I've been doing I've been in it for a, for a long time. I would never recommend anyone use margin to buy crypto. It's a bad idea. Uh, you just it's too it's too much. It's just too much. It's too speculative on that uh, on that front. And, I, I you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a real we've seen these, you know, these companies like Celsius and others who seemingly have done this. And they're unwinding now and causing all new problems. And it's building on top of each other. All these problems are cascading. 
I want to kind of look at this at a, at, from a per, per perspective of a longer time frame, because I think the media likes to look at this and say, hey, Bitcoin was 69,000 and now it's 22,000. And that shows that, you know, crypto may be dead. Who knows what's going to happen around the corner? I made this a couple. This is a couple weeks old now. And of course, in this environment, a couple weeks old is not right. So to, to factor that in, all these numbers would look worse for both the Dow and Bitcoin if they were updated. But look at this from a year ago. Uh, if you invested 10,000 in Dow a year ago, you'd have 9630. Bitcoin, you'd have 8500, which is worse. I mean, you've done worse in Bitcoin. Two years ago, however, you'd have about three times as much money if you put that money in Bitcoin instead of the Dow. Three years ago, it's about three times as much. Four years ago, it's about three times as much. And five years ago, it's about 10 times as much if you kept it in Bitcoin. And I think like uh, the media conversation around this loves to focus on the downside without acknowledging that like even with this fall, we're still above the peak of the bubble that happened in 2018. Isn't it important to look at the big picture here? I mean, certainly um, it depends as an investor. If you're somebody who got in at almost $69,000, you're going to have a little bit of a different feeling about that than if you got in at $5,000. But I think the important thing to look at, and you do make an important point, is something that I you know, consider very important to investing, which is total returns versus risk-adjusted returns. And you just showed mm. us total returns of stock versus total returns of Bitcoin. And on a total return basis, you know, Bitcoin is killing it versus other asset classes. But there's something called risk adjusted return and it you know it's how much risk you're really taking on to get the level of return that you're getting and I think that that's important to consider. And so you know I look at that at like a venture capital investment or even a lottery ticket. You know, you put some money down and the heat the payoff it also could ease very easily go to zero. And so that's a much riskier investment than something that has a longer track record that can be analyzed. And I think that's really the difference here as you look at your portfolio. When you are looking at stocks, these are companies that you know, produce something. They have a track record. Um, they have assets and liabilities and, and cash flow. And even though their past performance doesn't guarantee their future performance, there's something that you can analyze there and kind of you know get a sense of what kind of risk you're taking on. And certainly depending on the company, some of them are more risky than others. With Bitcoin, it's different because it really is based on a social contract. And we have social contracts that have been in place for over 5,000 years, like gold, which have done really, really well. Um, and we have social contracts on things like tulips and beanie babies, which <laughs> have sputtered out over time. So it, you, we really don't know. This is Bitcoin's only been around for you know, 13, 14 years-ish. And so we've never actually been through a normalized market. We don't know what that means long term. We just know that there's a risk to that social contract and there are a lot of really good reasons and certainly the underlying thesis makes a lot of sense but there are also challenges and I think that you just need to for the people who are looking at it as a hedge instead of a speculative asset as you said I think that they're looking at it the wrong way and a lot of us invest in speculative assets I've lost you know in many cases everything on VC investments so you're 
when you look at something speculative. And as long as you know that that's what you're doing, then you know you should have no problem. Yeah, and it's it's a great argument, right, to have for diversity, right? You you want to have bits and pieces of a lot of these things, and if you have you know an appetite for some risk, you know, obviously Bitcoin has performed well, but of course, I, you know, when I first invested in it, especially, I highly considered the possibility that it would go to zero. Um, but Carol, is there, a, is there an example, and maybe there is, you'd probably know, is there an example of, a, of a, in an industry that hits the sort of valuation of two and three trillion dollars that has gone to zero? I mean, is there, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure there's something. I mean, tulips, uh, you can't necessarily, <laughs> we're not a two trillion dollar industry, right? I mean, it, it had a big bubble, it came down. There are those things that have happened, but that's, that sort of argument seemed to me at least to make more sense back in like 2014, 15, 16. You know, there is a lot of money, a lot of uh, really smart people, a lot of billionaires invested in this, a lot of people coming out of college at the highest levels that are putting all of their energies into this field. Is there some sort of equivalent that would see a, a drop to zero that you can think of? So in terms of the scope of it, you have to remember we're in a period where everything is unprecedented in scope. We've never had a period where the Federal Reserve creates $9 trillion <laughs> out of nowhere and puts it on its balance sheet. And you can see a lot of the um, you know the printing of money, how that's flowed through the various markets, including the cryptocurrency markets. So obviously on that scale, no, but the whole scale has been completely manipulated and disrupted. So there are definitely smart people who are very involved here. They're definitely bad actors. And I think the people who have the bull case are saying, look, we need to shake out the bad actors. Mm. We need to shake out the novices. And eventually this settles down. And over time, if it finds a tipping point, it will become more stable and it won't be getting these crazy returns. It will have you know, a more stable return and look kind of like other asset classes. We just aren't there yet. And so there are definitely some major hurdles, including governmental hurdles. Hurdles. Obviously, governments um, derive a lot of power from being able to control the money supply. They're not real keen on giving that up and certainly are looking at ways to you know, pseudo compete with their own digital currencies, even though those aren't you know, decentralized uh, cryptocurrencies. So you know, there are definitely some, some hurdles. There are definitely pros and cons. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are vested in seeing Bitcoin succeed. And I certainly think as technology continues to evolve, there is a use case, whether it be for Bitcoin or Bitcoin or you know some other blockchain um, you know based sort of currency to be something that has wider adoption and wider use. But we are such at the early stages here. You know, as you talk about sort of like the going to zero, you know, when I was around during dot-com bubble 1.0, there was this company called Webvan that was like a, a grocery delivery service and certainly not on the same scale, but at the time it was a big deal. You know, it, it was a startup in a, a very short period of time, it went public at like a billion dollars. And then like a very short time later, it went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. so technology cycles with nascent technologies, there are these big winners that, that contract as everything shakes um, itself out. And so whether it's Bitcoin or something else, I think that remains to be seen. Um, but but it, it does need a little it does need a little bit of shaking. And if it is going to continue, 
just like every other market, and you alluded to this earlier, it tends to overcorrect, right? It tends to shoot up too high. It tends to overcorrect too much, and then it finds some stability. And so I think that you know, in the long run, you know, 12 to 18 months, 24 months from now, when things look very different from an economic backdrop and from a Fed backdrop, to see where the, those support levels are, I think, are going to be critical for that next phase of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I mean, I do think there's an element of speculation and speculative investment. I think there's also an element of, uh, of front running. I think it front run, front ran a lot of this inflation, right? You've got all, all these trillions of dollars being printed. That's when Bitcoin was going up. And now that they're pulling, calling this back, that's when it's going down. There's an argument to be made there. I want to get into this. I'd love to spend more time with you on this, Carol, at some point, if we could. We're just out of time, unfortunately, for today. Always. But you should definitely spend some time and check out Carol Roth's new article at The Blaze. What the heck is going on with Bitcoin? And of course, also her book, The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. Really important stuff. Carol, thanks for coming on the program. A pleasure. This was day one of the week of the decisions at Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court has today and Thursday are they going to be the big days. Uh, we should have the same. Uh, we should have two days next week as well. So that's pretty much it. Supposedly, this is all going to be done in the next couple of weeks, including the abortion decision and the climate change one and the gun one and everything else. Uh, a couple came down today. One of the big ones we talked about yesterday came down. Um, this one, uh, well, uh, first of all, there was the one about uh, the case about uh, s- certain gun crimes are not crimes of violence, which is an interesting one. Honestly, it was a 7-2 ruling. Uh, Thomas and Alito dissenting. Uh, the guy basically went to rob another drug dealer. The person he was robbing the drug dealer with shot and killed the drug dealer. Um, and they said that's not a crime of violence. It's not attempted robbery because he didn't actually rob the guy. I guess it, they didn't wind up getting the money or whatever. Um, Thomas's dissent is worth reading in full. It's like two paragraphs. Like uh, the guy pled guilty to this. Like, what are we doing? It's pretty much the entire dissent. Anyway, kind of an interesting one when it comes to uh, lighter sentences for criminals. And the guy could still do 20 years in jail, but just not 30. So that's the way that one fell. Uh, also, one of the ones we talked about, you know, cases we talked about yesterday, was the religious freedom case in which uh, Maine tried to keep money uh, away, tuition payments away from private schools that, had, that were religiously based, and the Supreme Court said, no, you can't discriminate against certain religions. That's, that's not the way this is going to work. You have to be, if you're going to have these programs for private schools, you've got to also accept religious schools. So that's how that works. Ben Stiller has met with Zelensky in, uh, in Kiev. I don't know why Ben Stiller uh, is meeting with Zelensky in Kiev. Do we have the picture of them together? Uh, there they are. And somebody tweeted that you know, it looked like um, Zoolander 3 uh, probably coming soon uh, to a theater near you. And actually, they now say the article about this is from NBC News says Zoolander met Zelensky. It's like Ben Stiller's done a lot of things. I don't know that Zoolander. I don't know if it's fair to say Zoolander is his thing. Like, is that is the thing he's most known for? But the other thing I will say is there's another picture of them standing up next to each other. Ben Stiller is, like, incredibly short. He's, like, three foot eight. And I think he's taller than Zelensky. Who knew? Uh, and finally, the most important news of the day. You want to talk about a way to rejuvenate the economy? Here it is. Krispy Kreme ice cream. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, it's coming. Original glazed soft serve ice cream is coming to Krispy Kreme. Uh, restaurants in 10 cities will sell the ice cream before it's gradually rolled out to other locations. I mean, ice cream that tastes like donuts is, is good. Donuts that taste like ice cream are good. Donuts mixed with ice cream are good. Ice cream on top of donuts are good. I've told you this before. I've had, there's a place here in Dallas that sells ice cream sandwiches with donuts as the sandwich. Okay? So think of it this way. Heated, glazed donut half on top and on bottom. So they're nice and warm like they come out of Krispy Kreme. And then in the middle, so you got kind of like a sweet and then warm and then cold and then creamy and then sweet and then warm again. All in one little pack. I got to go there right now. I, I should just leave the show right now. I'm going, I'm going to go get one of those. See you later. You should wait a little bit before you make any rash decisions in this world, especially with your finances, especially with donut ice cream sandwiches. Maybe you don't just make a whimsical decision to go out in the middle of your job and go get one. That's just one thing I'd recommend to you possibly as, as a solution to some other weight problems you might be feeling. Also, when you want to make a large purchase, maybe it's time to take a second, take a breath and say, maybe let's not do this right now. Let's wait three weeks. Why three weeks? Well, in three weeks, ScoreMaster can help you with your credit score. 61 points on average. And if you get 61 points added to your credit score, when you do make that major purchase, you're going to pay less for it. Maybe thousands of dollars less, tens of thousands of dollars less. When you're buying a new home, for example, you could, you could save a fortune by just a quarter of a point. So why wouldn't you get your credit score where you need it to be? ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit scientists who basically reverse engineered all these algorithms. So they know, hey, this is what you need to do. This is the time you need to do it. This is how you do it. You should work with ScoreMaster and get your credit score where it should be. In just three weeks, you can get your credit score 61 points higher. Check it out. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Check it out now. You can get the privacy thing. You can get your credit score up at Scoremaster.com slash stew. Long ago, a very wise man asked an important question. What better way to say I love you than with a gift of a spatula? And I don't know what the answer to that is, but uh, I can't think of one. I can't, can't think of a better way to say you love someone than with the gift of a spatula. And that's why I bring that up today to ask you another similar question. What better way to celebrate Juneteenth than with the gift of a 7,000-pound statue of an Afro pick? That's what, uh, that's what New Orleans did. They uh, decided to have a giant, quote, breathtaking giant black fist afro comb art display for Juneteenth. A lot of people, a lot of uh, African-American commentators thought that was a little cringy, uh, but apparently not. <laughs> That's the way you do it in New Orleans. Congratulations. I can't wait to go see uh, the statue. I've already got my trip planned, so I hope to see you there. Uh, an interesting, another interesting, <laughs> bizarre, bizarre thing. We've been following this, uh, the development of artificial intelligence, and there's been a bunch of this AI stuff we've, we've hit over the past couple of years here and on radio. And I want to bring you this. This is a, so AI is doing this stuff now where you can type in any scenario, and it'll just come up with pictures, create pictures from scratch, and show you, you know, what 
uh, some version of this image. It's starting to do all this thing where it's basically kind of creating stuff on its own. And that's always been one of the criticisms of AI. Sure, you can, it can do a bunch of menial tasks, but it's never going to be able to take over the creative process. Well, it's starting to get there now, too, which is really weird. They fed into an AI program basically everything Jerry Seinfeld has ever done when it comes to stand-up. And they said, hey, come up with a voice to, similar, to make it similar to Jerry Seinfeld, and then write an, a, a, an original routine, a stand-up routine that you think Jerry Seinfeld might do. And we have this audio here. This is Jerry Seinfeld uh, from uh, Artificial Intelligence just coming up with a brand new routine. And I gotta say, it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Listen. Why does it seem like every time you're watching TV, there's a commercial for a new brand of cat food, and it's always some kind of crazy new flavor, like tuna and salmon surprise, or chicken and liver delight. I don't need a new flavor of cat food every other week. Just tell me what was so bad about the old ones. They were great. And why are they always trying to trick us with these new flavors? They'll be like, we know you like tuna, so we put some tuna in this can, but we also put some other stuff in there too. I don't want to have to guess what's in my cat food. I just want it to be tuna. That's it. Just tuna. No surprises. And don't even get me started on those specialty cat foods. I saw one the other day that was for indoor cats. What the heck is that about? Are there different foods for different kinds of cats now? So I don't know about you, but I'm not going to start feeding my cat different foods, depending on where exactly he is located. That's just ridiculous. I mean, (laughs) it's like... There are parts of it where it sounds a little off of the way he would deliver those lines, and they're not quite as funny as actual Jerry Seinfeld lines, but, like, the fact that a computer is just coming up with that from scratch is freaking bizarre. We're all going to be run by computers very soon. And also, uh, I should announce that this program is now uh, completely automatic. Every day, come in, they just feed in my former opinions and just churns out material. I'm not even here. I haven't been here in months. I'm, uh, I'm actually in New Orleans visiting the Afropic statue. So it's going to be great. Um, let me tell you about the, uh, the program. You can get it, by the way, on podcast, whatever you would like. We would love you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Why? Because we love algorithms and we, we live to serve them. That's what we do here. Feed the algorithms with me, with your five-star reviews. You can get them uh, on iTunes or wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars. At least five stars. I love this stupid show. I listen to the podcast every day. I generally don't agree with executive orders, but could Joe Biden pass an executive order that Kamala Harris gives one speech a week so we can get more Veep Thoughts? <laughs> Veepthoughts.com, by the way, to see the whole collection. Please look into this, please. Uh, keep up the informative uh, reporting, at least with sarcasm and dumb jokes. That's right. It's a smart commentary and dumb jokes. And only occasionally the opposite. That's what we do here on Stu Does America. You can follow the show on YouTube as well. When you go there, in fact, make sure you all click like. Ready? Let's do it in three, two, one. Like. That means the algorithm is like, oh my gosh, something amazing must have happened right at that moment. Nothing amazing happened, but you all clicked like at the same time, and we do appreciate that. Follow the show as well. You can click the little bell for some live updates. We're going to do live shows as well on YouTube. Um, And we appreciate your algorithmic engagement comments because that makes the algorithm do things that we like as well. Leslie writes one, a super engagement comment. So not a normal one, but a super engagement comment. 
Patrick writes, uh, notice gas holidays and other tax holidays are temporary, but temporary sales and property taxes and tolls are always around forever. Five freaking stars. Why did Joe Biden bother to wear a helmet? There's nothing to protect. Very, very true. I mean, well, the road, you know, you got to protect the road. (laughs) That hard thing hitting the road, that's not right. Have a padding uh, set on the side of his head so that the road is not injured. And Gabriella writes, so perfect, smiley face, pointy finger, and red balloon. And I bring this one up specifically because it's the first thing I've ever seen that we got hit with porn spam. So that's when the show arrives. Do you understand that? It's not a bunch of listeners. It's not how much money we make. It's not how much influence we might have. Eventually, you get to a point in your career where porn accounts are posting meaningless comments with balloons in in them for no reason. And that's how I know we're finally a real, true success. Thank you so much for making this show so incredibly popular. It's now attracting porn spam. Prices are up everywhere, but not at StuDoesMerch.com. No, no, you can get all the merch uh, for actually 10% off right now if you use the code Stu10, including Senility Now. We were talking about Seinfeld earlier. Senility Now! 